Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hey, Jim. Kimberly, you are so full of life and energy. I mean, you're a <laughs> woman with ambition. When you oh. were growing up, did you dream about doing something maybe different than what you're doing today? Of course I did. <laughs> of course she did. And you know, the truth is, I'm not exactly in the place I thought I would be when I was a child and dreaming of other vocations and pursuits, but deciding who we are going to be and who we want to be, man, that is a big part of life. This week on Viewpoint. Let's talk about that a little bit, Kimberly. And when we come back, we're going to talk about just exactly who we want to be. Who do you want to be? Stay with us. Kimberly Majeski, I know some things about you. Yeah. And one of those is you're from Tennessee, mm-hmm. and you're proud of that Southern heritage, mm-hmm. and uh, some of that Southern cooking, and just the the grace and the kind of charm of that world that framed you and fashioned you. And okay. in those years in Tennessee, I know you actually went through a phase where you were competing in pageants. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't competing, Jim. I mean, I actually won them. <laughs> well, there you go. You, you leveled the competition. Is that what I should say? Yeah. I got entered, in, I got entered into the Miss Middle Tennessee State University uh, competition by some friends and, uh, in a fraternity, and I won it, and I went to Miss Tennessee. Whoa. Yeah. And now, I'm just bringing that up, not because it doesn't have legs on its own. Of course. But today on Viewpoint, we're talking about what we want to be. And I'm just guessing, as you found yourself kind of in that trajectory for a time, for a season, weeks, or mm-hmm. a year of school, whatever it was, were you thinking about, you know, maybe I want to be on a stage? Or what were you dreaming about being? Oh, yes, Jim. I mean, I would say some of us are built for a stage. <laughs> and uh, I sort of came into the world that way. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't know where it would take me. I mean, honestly... I learned a lot about uh, talking with people and inspiring people. And at that time in my life, really actually from the sixth grade on, I was planning for a career in politics and uh, thought that my time as uh, Miss Tennessee might help me sort of build a platform in the state for public office. Boy, and that's where you and I resonate. Because when I I was growing up, I dreamed of politics also. And even as a young man, knocked on those doors. But you know, when I was a kid, I really wasn't even thinking about politics. I was very shy. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what I wanted to be. And most people just think, you're kidding me. But when I was a kid, (laughs) growing up in Seattle, my mom and dad would take me to a place called Carkeek Park. Mm -hmm. And it's right hard and fast against Puget Sound. And the railroad runs along the shore. It hugs the shoreline at the foot of a steep cliff all along North Seattle. And Carkeek Park is this beautiful wooded ravine with white water that runs through. It's called Piper's Creek, and it pours into the sound and has big, sandy, pebbled beach. But to get from the ravine to the beach, you go across a footbridge over the railroad track. And when I was a child, we'd go there, and the trains came by. Mm -hmm. And I just lived to see those trains, and (laughs) I wanted to be the engineer. I mean, I had the wooden train set at home and then the electric train set at home. I dreamed of being an engineer until, well, I realized I could never do the mechanical engineering part. I I wasn't physically framed to to do the job. But, you know, we all dream of things, don't we? We want to be something. And when we ask each other the question, what did you want to be? We kind of run to that outcome answer. Well, I dreamed of this vocation or this Mm -hmm. job or this career. And that's a fair answer. But honestly, Kimberly, if I said, who do you want to be? It's not just about your career now a faculty member at a graduate school of theology. 
The question actually is, who are you? That's right. Who do you want to be as a person? So much bigger than the job you do every day. Absolutely. And no matter what our vocations, no matter what our work and life might be, whether you're paid to work or you just work without pay, and a lot of people do that. That's right. Apart from that, our identity is more profound and deeper. Who do you want to be? And when you get to that question and think about, well, who do I really want to be as a person? That often leads us to another kind of an answer, and that is, is there somebody I know or is there somebody I've read about that I'd like to be like? Mm-hmm. So who do I want to be? Well, it's not necessarily about a career, but boy, I'd, like to, I'd like to have the temperament or the capacities or the talents of whoever it is. That's right. Is there somebody in the world that you've looked at growing up and you thought, boy, I'd like to be like that? Yes, there is. I'm not sure I could say it on this program, but... Uh... <laughs> You know, uh, very prominent female figures in uh, political life, of course, have been inspiration to me for for many, many years. Because you were drawn to politics anyway, and Mm -hmm. to see a woman succeeding and and performing and doing great things in a political arena, of course, that would appeal. Right. uh, But I resonate with what you're talking about, because the sort of, over the years, as you kind of mine down and think about why you wanted to do those things, why you wanted to pursue this career or that, you think about it's because... Uh, something was uh, strong in you. Something was already a part of who you were and in your fabric, and that sort of comes to light. And I, I always wanted to work towards speaking up for other people who couldn't uh, on their own. I, I always wanted to be an advocate for people who maybe didn't have a voice or a position. And so that you know, when I think about identity, those are those qualities that sort of come to life for me. Well, and a career in politics can connect to that very basic sense of who you want to be, Mm -hmm. an advocate. Mm -hmm. You could choose to be an attorney, because really an attorney, in the best sense of the word, is an advocate. Mm -hmm. A physician could be an advocate. Anyone could be an advocate, but I understand those connections. You're right on. Mm -hmm. Who we are fundamentally and who we want to be can have birth in our vocations, our callings, our ordinary work life. When I think about my life and look at the people I've admired, a lot of them are political figures too. Hmm. But right down at the bottom, I think I'd have to say, of all the figures of history, of everyone that has been introduced to me, living or out of this world, it's Jesus. And that brought me to a phrase one day, I just thought, could I be like Jesus? Could I Jesus be? I know it sounds a little corny, Jesus be, a little bit like Yoda in a Star Wars movie. You know, you're putting the word order in reverse of our norms. But is it possible to Jesus be? I like it because it's active. And it's a little different, but I've wrestled with that for a season of my life. Can I fairly Jesus be? Which actually, it's the title of a book (laughs) that is just being published this summer that I have written. Actually, a collection of sermons I preached when I was pastoring called Jesus Be. And when we come back, let's dive into that for a minute, Kimberly. Not about our jobs, not about how we earn our incomes or provide for ourselves, our families, but who are we really? And is there someone so superlative that we could reach to be like him, Jesus?
Kimberly, you teach at a school of theology. Mm -hmm. And when I say, I want to be Jesus, Mm -hmm. whoa, Uh, (laughs) wait a minute. Uh, Jesus is a standalone figure in my understanding of truth. Sure. He is the very representation of God in human form. So he Mm -hmm. is a flesh like me, but, whoa, he's a lot more than me. He is the Savior. Mm-hmm. He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He's before all things and after all things. He's above all things. I mean, there are so many ways in which to comprehend Jesus in a way that I could never be like that. Sure. But is it fair for me, do you think, to say, you know what, I really I want to be like Jesus? No, I think it is, and I, I think it's biblical. I think it's very Pauline, right, to reflect upon uh, letters that Paul wrote to talk about. Really, there's no separation between someone who carries Christ in their heart and in their flesh, right? Paul talks about bearing the scars of Christ. Um, There's no separation. He talks about imitating Christ, having the mind of Christ. All of those uh, ideas were expectations for Paul that we follow Jesus and we literally become Jesus. We take Jesus on in our bodies. And Paul, of course, wrote famously, I believe by the inspiration of the Spirit that we are the body of Christ. Yes. And and that's a pretty tactile metaphor. That's right. And while in the most original sense of that picture he paints in the New Testament, he's talking about how, you know, the hand needs the foot and mm-hmm. so on, all the different parts of the body are necessary to be one. And that's a very valid mm-hmm. extension of the image. Mm-hmm. But I think also it speaks about how we are, in fact, the hands and feet, where the right. touch, the listening ear and the speaking voice of Jesus mm-hmm. between his first coming and his second. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about Jesus be, I suppose it's fair to say I want to be the body of Christ. I want to be a part of that. That's right. I, I have a role to play. And even Jesus said, follow me. Well, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it means be like me. Do as I have done. And he, he described to his disciples certain things. He said, now, I want you to do to other people just as I have done. That's right. Be like me, Jesus be. Mm-hmm. So for all of that, I think it is fair for all of us when we're making a decision about who we want to be, perhaps the highest calling and the most noble aim and the thing that can reach into the deepest part of our being with success is to actually look at Jesus and want to be like him. Mm-hmm. Whoa. All right. So next step. Well, if I want to Jesus be, what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, as you're listening today, uh, you may have some questions or thoughts that come to mind as you hear us talking about these things. And we want you to know that 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone and we're always glad to hear from you. This is our number, toll free. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Give us a call. We want to hear from you. We'll give you that contact info again at the end of the program, but hey, write it down now. When I'm down, you are up for me. When I frown, you have a smile for me. And when I'm weak, you are strong for me. You are there for me. You're always there for me. When I fall, you will catch me. When I call, quick to answer me. And when I weep, you will weep with me. You are there for me. You're always there for me. And I wanna be like you. Take my cross and follow. 
if I really want to Jesus be, I have to study Jesus. I have to become acquainted with him. I have to learn about how he walked in this world. And I believe that Jesus is living today, even though he is not physically present today as he was 2,000 years ago. But as he walked into this world 2,000 years ago, flesh and bone, as he walked onto the stage of life as a young man, he defined himself powerfully. And the gospel narratives, the gospels, the good news of Jesus recorded in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, describe to us the Jesus we want to be like. And in those gospels, we read multiple times about a very singular moment in Jesus' life where he stood forward so all could see who he was. And Kimberly, you're holding in your hand the scripture, and it's in Matthew chapter 3, this passage, which talks about this minute in time that all of us can embrace. Because if we want to Jesus be, maybe we need to be baptized as he was. What does it say? This is from verses 13 to 17. Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. It's a remarkable story, really. You know, all of us have heard the Christmas story, and uh, both Matthew and Luke's gospel tell us some details about the birth of Jesus and his very early childhood and how people reacted to it and how the rich and the famous and the poor and the destitute all acknowledge this singular child. And then we have this little story about him when he's probably about 12 years old as he visits the temple in Jerusalem with his family. Uh, But really in the main, from his birth and, shall we say, toddler narrative, uh, we don't have much going on in the story of Jesus until now in the passage you've read, this coming out, so to speak, where he stands forward on a stage and says, okay, here I am, Mm -hmm. and this is who I'm going to be, and it's marked by his baptism. It, for me, says, if I want to Jesus be, I have to come to a point in my life where I also choose to stand forward. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Kimberly, but when I think about Jesus being baptized, I, knowing what I know about him... I probably would be like John the Baptist saying, whoa, wait a minute, no, I'm not baptizing you. <laughs> this should be the other way around. I mean, Jesus is such an extraordinary figure. Uh, baptism is about starting over. It's about fresh new life. It's about turning away from sin. Jesus preached, repent and be baptized. So did John the Baptist. But Jesus doesn't have anything from which to repent. And yet still he's baptized. It seems to me like it has huge power mm-hmm. to start in life. It, it says that Jesus is submitting mm-hmm. to the will of God the Father, to a pattern of life which by public testimony is going to say, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it goes back to what you said uh, about Jesus sort of stepping into who he is and announcing for the world what he's come to do. And, you know, we know the history of baptism comes really from the Jewish practice of ritual bathing, right? And so... What Jesus is doing here is sort of interpreting for us a new way 
Jesus, as we know, is perfect and without sin, and so he doesn't necessarily need to repent and be washed clean. What Jesus is doing for us is saying, this is what you need to do. I'm going to do this because I want you to follow me in this. And he's demonstrating for us, as you said earlier, this this first step in walking that way. And if I want to be like Jesus, I need to be obedient to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus does command us to be baptized. Yeah. And uh, from the beginning to the end of the gospel narratives, he is about baptism. Yes. And some people say, well, you know, it's just a ritual. I, I don't really need that process. I, it, it's symbolic. It's yes. representational. Isn't there are, that interesting? There are some parts of the body of Christ that see it as actually materially transformational, but wherever you are in that theological spectrum, I think we'd all have to agree, Jesus said, this is really important, Mm -hmm. and this is something I want you to do. And I know people who love God, and they pursue the right, but they are reluctant for one reason or another to be baptized. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't want to be a spectacle, I don't want to be up on stage, I don't want to be out in front, I don't want to be pretentious, I don't want people to see me with my hair wet, I'm afraid I might drown in an immersion process, I'm not sure that being sprinkled is the right way. I mean, there's a hundred (laughs) reasons that people give for avoiding what in fact is a very important principle. If you want to Jesus be, you need to be baptized. Yeah, and the baptism, you know, as we see Jesus take part in it, Paul will write later and talk about that it's representative of death and resurrection, which is another way that Jesus led us, right? This is the path Jesus led us on, dying to the old self and being raised to new life. And I feel like, Jim, and I know you've had a lot of experience this probably as a pastor, that a lot of what we do as Christians is we kind of want to just uh, get shrubbed up, be nice people, and give it a shot, right, to sort of do the do the church thing or do the do the good person thing. But what baptism really symbolizes, what baptism represents is death, death to old self and a resurrection as a new self. And that new self is in Christ Jesus, bound up in him, bound up in his teachings, bound up in his ways, following his footsteps. And the very word baptism is an adaptation of the Greek word baptizo, Mm -hmm. which suggests immersion. And the picture that you've just painted that the scripture gives us about being dead and buried in an immersion process. Mm-hmm. You, you have a sense of being laid down in the ground mm-hmm. and then raised up to new life. I'm not here to make a hobby horse about the method of baptism. Sure. But for me, I want to do it just like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. I want to be immersed, and that's what the scripture suggests. And in so doing, I want to have a fresh start. The baptism does not make me a believer It demonstrates for anyone who sees that I have made a decision. I want to Jesus be, and I'm going to trust my life into his hands. I want to start fresh and new following him. Folks, wherever you are in life today, who do you want to be? And no matter what you want to be, a better question is, who do you want to be? And who do you want to be that could be better than Jesus himself? And if that's your ambition, if that's what you want, really, You need to be baptized. It's at the front end, not the back end of your journey with him. It's the signal that you are making that choice. It frames and creates a moment that you can always remember about the day you pledged your life to Jesus. And you did it with a witness because you don't have to stand in front of a crowd on a Sunday morning in a church house. You can be baptized otherwise. But one thing about baptism, you can never be baptized alone. Someone else has to be there with the water. Someone else has to be a witness. And that is a powerful part of becoming like Jesus today. 
I want to encourage you. If you've not been baptized, but you want to Jesus be, you need to find a pastor. You need to find a believer, someone who's down the road in their spiritual journey with Christ ahead of you and talk to them and make that decision and arrange a time. Don't let it pass. Don't postpone it. Don't think, well, that's what I'll do next year, next Easter, next holiday, next birthday. No, do it now and see what will happen next. You can join us on the journey by praying with us. Just take a moment and talk to God with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today for your son, Jesus. He has made life possible for us, not just in this world, but the world to come. And he's made a way for us to be in whole relationship with you. And we are so thankful for his sacrifice, even the spilling of his blood, so that we might live. We thank you also, though, on the way in which he lived on the way to the cross, how he modeled for us the way in which we can also walk. And we thank you for his baptism. And Father, we want to be like him. And may we start as he started, making a decision that we ourselves will be like Jesus, surrendered into his care, obedient to his call. For everyone, Lord, who is joining us in this prayer today, may they find their way to being baptized for Jesus' sake and by his name. It is in his name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can follow Jesus, how your life can be redefined and re-energized, By becoming like him, you give us a call. Our number once more, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, a member of our Viewpoint Ministry team is by the phone waiting to hear from you. Or if you prefer, you can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us a message and someone will be in touch with you. Or at the last, send me a letter by post. Just address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint. Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, go online, or send us a letter by surface mail, we do long to hear from you. And we'd love to make available to you a copy of this little book called Jesus Be. It's just seven chapters about how you find your life turned around following Jesus for the good. Kimberly, I have no doubt you could have been Miss America and President of the United States if you'd set your mind on it. Thanks for being with us today. Good to be with you. And we thank you for joining us also. I hope that you'll join us again next week as we continue our thoughts about becoming like Jesus and we talk about what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.